0: Foreseeing by Shannon Bryan. Middle age refers more to landscape than to time. It's as if you'd reached the top of a hill and you could see all the way to the end of your life, so you know without a doubt that it has an end. Not that it will have an end, but that it does have an end, if only in an outline form. So for the first time, you can see your whole life beginning and end not far from where you stand, the horizons in the distance, the view makes you weep, but it also has a beauty of symmetry, like the earth seen from space. So you can't help but admire it from afar, especially now, while it's so simple to re-enter whenever you choose, lying down into your life, waking up to it, just as you always have. Except that the details resonate by virtue of being contained As your own words coming back to you define the landscape, remind you that it won't go on like this forever.
1: In the Hindu tradition, the householder phase of life begins with marriage. We know that moving into middle age might be marked by marriage or by many other things. A significant birthday, signing a lease, buying a house, getting getting married, having a child, physical changes like the gray hairs sneaking in more and more or the hair thinning or whatever it is. For me, just over two years ago, in a two-month span, I had my first job, or I had my first child, bought my first home, and started my first job that I didn't have a plan to leave. (laughs) And when the whirlwind of that settled, I looked around and said, this is something new, and I think it might be middle age." <laughs> so the Hindus call this stage being a householder, and it, was marked, and it is marked by the pursuit of three things, pleasure, success, and duty. F- marriage and family life were the area in which pleasure was pursued. And our children learning about sexuality will learn some of the details of that. (laughs) Success was pursued through work and vocation. And duty through involvement in the wider world and civic participation. Duty is an important part of middle age. For many of us, though not all, middle age is marked by living into commitments or in light of the commitments we have already made. If we have had children, we keep parenting, day after day, whether we particularly want to or not that day. If we are married, we live into those promises, again and again. And our career trajectory is often set, and we follow the steps ahead of us. That is not to say the earlier choices are irreversible, we know career changes happen. We know that people who once swore they never wanted children can suddenly change their mind. And we know that marriages and romantic partnerships end. We know that for many, here in our church and beyond, ending a marriage or committed relationship is a right choice, if a hard one. We know sometimes it is a choice made by a partner and you don't get much say in the matter. We know it can be a logistical nightmare, untangling legal relationships and property and setting up two households after our lives have grown intertwined. And there are a lot of people in this church community navigating separation and divorce right now. We see you, we hold you in our hearts, we offer our support. Being middle-aged, looking forward to what we hope is a full second half of life in many ways means living into or in the shadow of our previous commitments and finding the meaning and truth there. In this middle part of adulthood, psychologist Erickson tells us that our developmental task is to figure out how to lead productive lives and leave something behind for future generations rather than succumb to inertia. It is about creation, about becoming generative, about creating something new, There are echoes of this in the ancient tradition, ancient teachings about involvement in the wider world during the householder stage. What does it mean to be a generative adult? It means to commit to the wider community and larger causes. It means to remember that we are all in this together and all of us need all of us to make it. We saw an example of living a generative life this morning as we dedicated our religious education teachers. These people are giving of themselves to create, to create loving, learning communities for our children and youth. They are taking the long view. They are planting trees whose shade they will never lie in. And we know there are many ways to do this. Another psychologist, this one, Dan P. McAdams, reflects on this, and he writes, highly generative adults invest considerable time, money, and energy into, into ventures whose, li- whose long-term payoff is hardly a sure bet. Raising children, teaching Sunday school, agitating for social change, working to build up valued social institutions, these kind of generative efforts often involve as much frustration and failure as fulfillment. Yet if one's internalized and involving life story, one's narrative identity, shows again and again that suffering can be overcome, that redemption typically follows life's setbacks and failures, then seeing one's life in redemptive terms would pe- appear to be an especially adaptive psychological thing to do. In religious language, we would call this having faith. Having faith that what we do matters in the grand scheme of things, even if we do not live to see the results. Having faith that despite frustrations, despite the reality that there are more fun ways to pass the time, showing up for one another and for our community matters. Faith that our efforts will pay off in ways we may never be aware of. Here, we believe in the power of human agency, that each of us And all of us have the power to make the world better.
0: Wonder as Wander by Sharon Olds. At dusk on those evenings, she does not go out. My mother potters around the house. Her daily helpers are gone. There was no one there. No one to tell what to do. She wanders. Sometimes she talks to herself, fondly scolding. Sometimes she suddenly throws out her arms and screams, high notes lying here and there in the carpet like bodies touched by a down wire. She journeys, she quests, she Marco Polos through the gilded, gleamy loot rooms who she is. I feel now that I do not know her, and for all my staring, I have not seen her. Like the song she sang when we were small. I wonder as I wander out under the sky How Jesus the Savior was born for to die For poor lonely people like you and like I On slow evenings alone, when she delays and delays her supper, walking the familiar halls past mirrors and night windows, I wonder if my mother is tasting the life beyond this life. Not heaven, her late beloved absent, her father absent, her staff absent. Maybe this earth alone, as she has not experienced it, as if she is one of the poor lonely people, as if she is born to die. I hold fast to the thought of her wandering in the house, a luna moth in a chambered cage. Fifty years ago, I'd squat in her garden with her red queens and try to sense the flyaways of the fairies as they kept pollen flowing to its local paths. And our breaths On their course of puffs, They kept our eyes wide With seeing what we could see And not seeing what we could not see. Poem on my 79th birthday By Peter Everwine This morning, in a jelly glass on my table, A handful of the season's first violets, A gift from the garden of a dear old friend, Old age, I'm told, has a discernible odor. Who'd have thought mine would be the delicate, would be so delicate, so piercing sweet?"
1: a few of you came up to me this morning, a few of the elders in our, in our community and said, so you're going to tell me about what it's like to be old today.
0: <laughs>
1: and so let me know what I get wrong, because I probably get some of it wrong. But this is what I can share from the Hindu tradition and a few other sources. Let me know if it's anything close to your experience. So The third stage of life is old age, or sort of young old age. In the Hindu tradition, that begins with the birth of a first grandchild. And in our lives, that might begin with a certain birthday, retirement, a child's milestone, a physical change. And in the Hindu tradition, this stage of life is called being a forest dweller. Retirement means not only retiring from paid employment, but retiring from many of the tasks of life. Traditionally, it meant retiring from family obligations and community obligations, leaving those tasks to the householders, the middle-aged people. And then the person entering old age would go live in the forest to live in solitude and contemplation, focusing on spiritual development. As comparative religion scholar Houston Smith writes, retirement looks beyond the stars, not to the village streets. It's a time for working out a philosophy into a way of life. Hinduism includes a belief in reincarnation. So part of the forest dweller stage is to gain the insight and wisdom that will make it possible to take steps towards ultimate liberation and break the cycle of rebirth. We hold many different ideas here about what awaits us after death. But we do share some ideas about how to end life well. We hope for ends of life where we are at peace with the lives we've lived. We hope we can look back on lives where we've learned and loved and made some small positive differences. This echoes again the teachings of Eric Erickson. He says that the final task of life is to be at peace with all that has unfolded in our lives and not give in to despair or disgust. So what does being a forest dweller look like in modern practice when it is not possible to leave everything and go into the forest and here where the weather would not make that a very pleasant thing to do? Last night, I was fortunate enough to get to go to a forest-dweller initiation ritual held at the Sambod Center. Anil and Durga, a local Hindu couple who had just turned 60, were celebrated with rituals led by priests and about a dozen people chanting ancient words. One of the vows Anil made last night was to have sweet words and sweet actions going forward. And in modern practice, the forest dweller stage is not actually a time to give up obligations to the wider world. It's, you're still in this generative, creative phase. So you become a teacher and th- share through words and actions all that you have learned. Anil and Durga were instructed to give more to the world than they receive for the next 10 years. So modern forest dwellers often visit the local temple or shrine every day and are in charge of the spiritual development of grandchildren, teaching them the virtues that they learned when they were a student. And this follows a pattern that is true here at People's Church. The newly retired are the people who run this church. They often have the time, energy, skill, and talent to carry out the important work of the church in the world. And as I witnessed this ceremony last night, I yearned for a similar ritual in our community. What would it look like for us to celebrate retirement and the new spiritual work ahead? We have rituals for other life stages. We dedicate ourselves to the children. We celebrate our youth when they come of age and then when they bridge into young adulthood. And then there's not much after that. If if you get married, you get to have, a, have that ceremony, but not everybody does that. And then there's nothing till a memorial service. <laughs> so I don't know what that says, but I don't think it's good. So I don't know what a Unitarian Universalist later life stage ritual might look like, but it's something I'm going to be thinking about. And if it's something that speaks to you, please... Let me know, maybe we can create something together. And there's also a fourth stage in the Hindu life cycle, an aesthetic aesthetic stage. And this stage was likely added later as lifespans lengthened. And so this is the stage now when people give up all and go wandering, focusing solely on the spiritual concerns. So this stage has many of the characteristics I described earlier as the forest dweller. So in all of our stages, may we learn, may we love, may we create, may we serve, and may we be wise. May it be so, may we make it so, and amen.